Uh, this is our fourth week in this study. Thank Brother Greg for filling in last week with my mother's emergency we had to contend with last, uh, last Wednesday night. Malachi chapter 1, let's begin reading at verse 6 if I may. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts, unto you? O priest, that despise my name. And you say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to the governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on my altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered into my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But you profaned it, in that you say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. You said also, Behold, what a weariness it is. And you have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And you brought that which was torn and lame and sick. Thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this by your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrifice to the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Chapter 2. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, if you will not lay it to your heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessing. Yea, I have cursed them already, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed, and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn, solemn feast, and one shall be taken away with it. And you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, and my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him, for the fear wherewith he feared me, and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth. Iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn away many from iniquity. For the priest's lips shall keep knowledge, and they shall seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have departed out of the way. You've caused many to stumble at the law. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contentable and base before all the people, according as you've not kept my ways, but have been partial in thy law. Wow. For the last three weeks we've been talking to you uh, about uh, the study about the becoming a priest unto the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Peter that uh, we are a, a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. We are a nation of priests uh, that have been chosen, been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
And yet we, we today are the priests of God. In the Old Testament, God had a priesthood through the nation of Israel. But today we are the priesthood of God to the rest of the world. How do we become priests? Well, we've looked into the Word of God, and we saw how uh, uh, Aaron and his sons were inducted into the priesthood, and we see the steps they went through, one, two, three, four, the steps they did in order to become a priest unto God. And the same way that they were inducted into the priesthood, we today are inducted into the priesthood the same way. Theirs was literal, ours is spiritual. So I want to give just a brief synopsis because it's been uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, uh, that you've heard this. So I'm just going to give just a brief synopsis, if I may, uh, to get up to our text this evening. We'll mention because we've dealt with each in depth. First of all, according to Exodus 29, uh, 1 through 3, they were chosen and called of God. Only the priests in the Old Testament had to be born into the tribe of Levi. Or Aaron, I'm sorry. If they were not born in, the, in, the, in Aaron and his sons, they could not be priests unto God. By the same token today, the only way we can be priests to God, we must be born again into the family of God. There are a lot of people that attend church, but they're not priests unto God because they haven't accepted the Lord as Savior. So we have been chosen of God. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and therefore we have been birthed in the right family. They were also washed in Exodus 29, 4. Uh, you read about that. We have got to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ the Lord, and that's how we were born again. I'm grateful that I have been clean, not by my works, uh, not by your works, not by the amount of money I give, not by how good looking I may be in your eyes or whatever. We are washed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the reason that we're priests unto God, we've been born to right family, and we have been washed in order to stand before God as holy and pure people. They also were clothed. Uh, they had the right clothes that they had to wear as priests. And if they did not wear the right clothes that Moses had laid out in the book of Exodus, they could be killed for having not had the right clothes. Well, the Lord has clothed us with the righteousness of Jesus Christ the Lord. We have not been made righteous. We have been declared righteous uh, through the blood and the sanctifying presence of the Holy Spirit of God. They were also anointed in Exodus 29.7. The anointing said they were set apart for a special purpose. They were anointed to do what God said they could do, not with their own ability, but with His ability. I'm grateful that there's an anointing that belongs to the people of God. The anointing of the Lord is what breaks yokes. And there's an anointing that rests upon us, not just a symbolic anointing, but the holy anointing of God that moves upon us and we can do great exploits for the Lord. We know the difference between somebody that sings with talent and somebody that sings with anointing. Someone that, that preaches with, with charisma and someone that preaches with anointing. Well, there's an anointing that abides upon the people of God. And then they were satisfied as well. Everything that these priests, every sacrifice they made in the Old Testament, God made sure that they had provision that would sustain them in life. They had everything they needed. Maybe not everything they wanted, but everything they needed, and God supernaturally provided it for them. May I remind you, God takes care of His people. David said, I was young and now I am old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. As a holy priesthood, we have been set apart for exclusive service to our God. That's the same thing that happened to the Old Testament people. The priesthood were set apart to the exclusive service of the Lord. But as a royal priesthood, praise God, we partake of the Lord's authority because Jesus is both a priest 
and a king. <laughs> Glory to God. We have the authority as a priest because our Lord is a priest and a king as well. Now, once again, I remind you, we look later then at the privileges of ministering unto the Lord as a priest. Once again, the priests of the Old Testament, born in Aaron's family, they had privileges of doing things that nobody else in the nation of Israel could ever do. And by the same token, we that are priests unto God today, we have privileges of doing things for the Lord that nobody else in this world can do either. Aaron and his sons, they enjoyed privileges that were forbidden by everybody else in the nation of Israel. And each of these privileges that they did literally apply to us in a spiritual manner in this hour in which we live. First of all, remember, they cared for God's house. The three families of Levi, they took care of all the furnishings, of all the, 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 the curtains, uh, how the tabernacle was put up and took down. They took care of the tabernacle. Nobody else could do that, only those families. We today take care of this temple. Know ye not, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we have the privilege of caring for this temple today. Also, they kept the fire burning in Leviticus chapter 6. It was important that priests would go in every morning and they would light the fire and or, or, or take out the ashes, I should say, uh, from uh, the, the day before. And then that night they would light the fire again. It's important that we keep the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in our life. It's not enough just to get saved and ship our soul off to heaven. He's looking for a body that he can dwell in where the presence of God can be burning through us to do great exploits for God. And then thirdly, the priest would wash at the labor. Now to me this refers to us as sanctification. When a priest labored for the Lord, offered up the sacrifices, whatever, they would get dirty. So they would have to wash at the labor before they went in to offer up the sacrifices. They would, they would uh, put blood upon their lobe or their ear, upon their right thumb or their right big toe. That refers to us as that are born again. We are sanctified every day as we come into the presence of God. And we need to be sanctified, set apart from God's service and set apart from the things of the world. Another privilege they had was burning incense. Incense was a phenomenal thing. That's represented the prayers of the saints that went toward God. Today, we have the privilege of praying. And here's where I think I get convicted, and I pray we all will. Do we just come before God? Let's just be real, church. Do we come before God and ask Him for this, 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 and this? Or do we really get into a place of prayer where we have intimate conversation with our Heavenly Father? As priests, we need to be around that incense to where we are in the presence of God, not just to tell him what we want, but for him to tell us some things as well. Are you with me? I would hate to have a child that the only time that child came to me, I want, I want, give me, give me, give me, give me. What kind of relationship is that? But through the years we have relegated, I said we have relegated prayer is meet my need, supply my need, bless my three, heal my body, do this, do that. But do we stop to think prayer is more than just a monologue? It must be a dialogue, and we have a God that speaks. It was an incense when the priest went in. Zechariah said, while he was there, the angel appeared to him and spoke to him about his son John, that would be the former Jesus Christ would be born. Had he not been there at the altar of incense, had he not taken the time to listen, he would have missed what God wanted to say. It's important, church, that we be people of prayer, 
But not just telling God what we want, but listening for God to tell us what we need to do. They also would light the, can- light the lamp. That was another thing that the priests of the Old Testament did. They would light the lamp because they were to be a light to the nation of Israel, and they were also to be a light to the nations of the world. And today as the church, we are the light of the world. We are the light. We're to light up those around about us. We're to light the world up to let them know Jesus can change your life. And he's given us the awesome responsibility and the privilege of sharing this great message to the world. And friend, again, in all due respect, American churches have relegated evangelism to inside these buildings, inside these walls. Lord, we build these beautiful buildings. Now send them to us. That's what we don't say it out loud, but that's the mindset many people have. And yet the Lord didn't say build the buildings and I'll send them. He said go on the highways and byways and compel them. So we're to be light. Light. I I can say a lot there about our world, but I won't. And then they had the responsibility, or shall I say, the privilege of eating the bread. Uh, After they put all the 12 loaves of bread upon uh, the altar, they had the privilege of eating that bread. What was the bread symbolic of? The manna, the bread of life that comes from heaven. Church, we need to know the Bible. We need to understand, thus saith the Lord. And we need not just know it, but live it and to do it. So when people come to us, we have an answer for those that ask why we have the hope inside of us. And then they offered up spiritual sacrifices. We read uh, in 1 uh, Peter, I think it is, um, 1 Peter 2, 5, uh, he tells us here, uh, you're a you also as living stones are built upon a spiritual house, only priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God by Christ Jesus the Lord. And they were also to wash at the labor. Uh, we talked about that a moment ago, I think, as well. Now, with that being said, what privileges we have as a priest unto God? These are privileges that we are to enjoy. And they're privileges the world knows nothing about. Herein lies a problem in this old pastor's mind. We're living in a day today where it seems like that many in the ranks of Christianity from the pulpit to the back door feel like the world has more to offer than the Lord has to offer to us. I want that to sink in. It seems like the world has more to offer to the church than Jesus has to offer to us as priests. I don't believe that preacher. I don't either. But we live that way. Are you with me? Professing Christians live that way. If that's not the truth, why are we closing out Sunday night services? Why are we knocking out all these ministries? You know one reason? We're busy. We've got we've more time to go to ball games, more time to go to movies, more time. That's the worldly way. And it would seem to me like I'm going to be a priest to God. Well, when it's convenient for me. Friend, I don't try to be ugly. I'm just trying to be honest. There's something wrong when we understand that God has given us all these wonderful privileges, but we've yet to really grasp what it means to be a priest unto God when we're doing our thing, when we ought to be doing His thing. And the ways of the world seem to be more acceptable in the church world than ever before in the life I've lived as a Christian. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. The church gets worldly and the world gets churchy. But the world is looking for some truth and for some reality. And I pray, oh God, let New Life Assembly have that truth and have that reality and hold the bar high and live a life that will bring pleasement to the Lord. Because friends, I preach myself in a conviction through this series, I'll be honest with you. I preach myself in a conviction because I'm saying, God, am I the priest that you want me to be?
in this hour in which we live. The privileges that we have, yet so many of us take, don't take advantage of it all. Well, may God help us take advantage of the priesthood of the believer. He died for it, he rose from the grave for it, and he lives that we might be able to do it. Amen. Now, anytime there's privileges, there's also responsibilities. Amen. Anytime we have privileges, there's also obligations. And yet, I want to look at the other side of that coin tonight and look at some of the perils some of the dangers, some of the ways that we defile the priesthood of the believer. If the Old Testament priests who did all the things that we've talked about, if they defiled the priesthood, don't you think that we as New Testament believers can defile it as well? And we do. And they did. And no book in the Bible so vividly portrays the way that the priest defiled the priesthood than does this little book by the name of Malachi. Let's look at some of these things if we can tonight. What sins were the priests committing as they carried out their duties in the temple? Well, they were dishonoring God's name by, def by, de by defiling His name. Look at verse 6, if you will. A son honors his father, a servant the master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of armies, to you? The priest who despise my name. Do you and I despise his name? They did. Have we despised your name, they said, by not giving their best at the altar. They offered polluted bread and they offered imperfect sacrifices to God. That's what he said here in the Word. Do we build our, our day around God, or do we build God around our day? And look at the sarcasm that God answers with them uh, here in verse 8. Offer, would, you, would you offer the same sick and handicapped animals as a gift to your governor and see if he will accept them? <laughs> do we give God our best, or do we give God our leftovers? Here was the priests of the Old Testament that were so familiar with the wholeness of God and so familiar with the things of God that they forgot just how holy of a position they had and they began to despise the name of God by keeping the best sacrifice for themselves, by keeping the best bread for themselves and giving God their leftovers. That's what it boiled down to. Offering up sacrifices that were sick and, and bread that was already polluted and spoiled. Can I just give a little caveat here? It, it, it amazes me. Through the years, churches have driven buses that the counties have condemned. Amen? Think about it. Somebody buys a brand new refrigerator, and I've had it happen more times than one. And they bring their old wore out refrigerator and say, we'll give this to the church. Well, it costs more money to fix that thing than it's worth. We give him the leftovers. We should give him the best. Dan Betzer, you know Dan Betzer, he retired from pastoring in Fort Myers, and man, this guy was a missions guru. I love Dan. He's a phenomenal guy. But anyway, years ago, a lady at the church called him up and said, Brother Betzer, I bought me a brand new baby grand piano, and I want to give my old one to the church. He said, I will not accept it. What do you mean? It's, it's a good piano. Good's the enemy of the best. My word's not his. He said, don't give God your leftovers. We'll take the new one. Amen. We'll take the new one. And she gave him the new piano. And you know what? He, I, I thank God for that. 
He had enough intestinal fortitude to say, hey, we don't want your leftovers. We want the best God has. And if you can't give us the best, just keep your wore out piano. We don't need it. And I can hear people saying, that's not right. Well, according to what he said here, I, I admire Dan for doing that. I really, they got him a good piano out of the deal. <laughs> Look at verse 10, if you will, tonight. If only there were one among you who would shut the gates so that you would not kindle fire on my altar for nothing. I'm not pleased with you, said the Lord of armies, nor will I accept an offering from your hand. Wow. God said, I'm not going to accept an offering from you. You can offer it, you can give it, but I don't want it. That's what Betcher was saying to this lady. I think he was trying to teach her something. We don't give God your leftovers. Give God your best. They offended God. Beloved, when we fail to give God our best, we defile the priesthood and we dishonor the name of God. The work that they were doing, God was not going to accept it. Why? There was no spiritual benefit to it. God basically said, why don't just somebody go ahead now and just shut the gates of the temple and go ahead and put out the fire because all you got is form and ritual. You're just going through it, but your heart's not in it. Your motive is not right because you've lost your motivation to serve me. You're just giving me leftovers. If God came down on them, how much more do I anger him? when I defile him by doing some of the same things. How about you? Let's just be real, church. How about us tonight? Why? Because God was being, or nothing was being accomplished through their ministry. Their work came from their head. Their work did not come from their heart. Ooh. Does our work come through our head? Or does it come from our heart? Have we been in this thing for so long that what we do, we do because we have to, we do because we're paid to, we do because it's Wednesday, we do because it's Tuesday, we do because it's Sunday again? Do we do it because we're supposed to do it and we say, okay, God, accept it? But is my heart not in it? Is our heart not in it? It had been better for someone to shut the gates of the temple. They had formality, but they lost the reality of what they were doing. They went through the right motives, but they did not have the proper motivation. What they needed to be affected in their worship was a burning heart, a heart that was still fervent for the Lord. And friend, that does not happen unless we spend time with him and unless we spend time in his word. That's why it's so important in marriage to cultivate. My wife tells me often, slow down, I need you. Slow down, you're a workaholic. Let's take some time. We had planned on getting out of the Dodge for a couple of days this week, not going to happen. You've got to have intimacy with your family, with your spouse. If you don't, look at divorce courts today. I loved him. What happened? I loved her. What happened? Drift away. And how it is with the things of God. He said in the book of Hebrews that we allow him to love to slip away from us. We've got to develop that intimacy, church. And it don't happen just by coming to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. We've got to have that. Are you with me tonight? Yes. Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instructions of our God. You people of Gomorrah, what are the, that's not, that's not out there, is it? 
And I'll read it anyway. What are the many sacrifices of me? Said the Lord, I have not enough burnt offerings and rams and the fat of fatted cattle. And I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, and goats when you come to appear before me. Who requires of you the trampling of my courtyards uh, and the building of the worthless offerings, incense and abomination to me, new moon and Sabbath, the proclamation of an assembly. I cannot endure wrongdoing and the effect of festive assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feast. They have become a burden to me. I'm tired of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I'll hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you offer my prayer, many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wow. The priests were listlessly going through the motion saying in Alakai 1.13, what a weariness this is. This just wearies me. Friend, it'd be better to be on fire for God than to be lukewarm. I want you to notice, if you will, in Matthew chapter 11. I don't think we have it on the slide, but Matthew chapter 11. Look at verse 20 with me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of the mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted into heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it remain until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sin. What does this tell me? Does God hate some sins more than another? I read from this that one of the things that seems to tick God off the most is lukewarmness. Yeah. Think about that. Professing to be one way and living and acting another. That's what I get from the text I just read. Had the works been done that should have made you on fire for God, had those works been done in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, they'd repented a long time ago. But I destroyed them because of their sin. But because you have received so much light and you're not working in that light, it's going to be more tolerable for them than it's going to be for you in the day of judgment. That to me petrifies my heart, church. The greatest tragedy was they were robbing God of His glory. And the greatest tragedy, we're robbing God of His glory. I'm robbing God of His glory. Is anybody else out there at times? This puts a note of terror in my heart, church, to understand how that God really chastised, if you will, the priest of the Old Testament. And we're not sometimes doing much better off. Their hypocritical ministry was a terrible testimony to the Gentile nations around about them. And sometimes our lack of testimony is a terrible testimony to the heathen people we work with, we live beside, we go to school with every day of our life. What did God do about their sins? What did He do about their sins? He cursed their blessings. Now, won't that sink in? He did not take their blessings away from them, He made the blessings they had a curse. That's what He said. He cursed their blessings. He simply made their blessings be a curse. What should have brought them joy to them and their nation became a channel of sorrow 
After the temple services, the people returned home in worse spiritual condition than when they went. Might as well have stayed home. I didn't get a thing out of that. It should have been a blessing, but it turned into a curse. Instead of carrying, uh, carrying away the smell of the incense that they should have had in the altar of incense, they went home smelling like dung that had been smeared in their face. That's what he said. I didn't make it up. He took the blessing and turned it into a curse. Instead of guiding people the right way, the priest caused them to stumble. In Malachi chapter 2, know what he says here. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you so that my covenant may continue with Levi, said the Lord of armies. My covenant with him, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence, so they reverent me and was in awe of my name. True instructions was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and justice. He turned many back from wrongdoing. For the lips of the priest should maintain knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of armies. But as for you, you've turned aside from the way. You've caused many to stumble by the instruction. You've, you've ruined the covenant of Levi, said the Lord of armies. So I also have made you despised and have low reputation in the view of all the people since you're not keeping my ways but are showing partiality in the instruction. It's a sad picture. Yeah. That was a sad picture, church. It's a sad picture today. Look at the privileges we have mentioned that we have today as a priest. And let us ask yourself a few questions as we close. Number one, am I using the privileges as a priest for God's glory? Am I really using all these privileges for God's glory? Am I giving my best at the altar? Let that sink in. Am I giving my best at the altar? What am I sacrificing to God? Something that costs me something. My time, my talent, my energies, my money. Prayer, praise, worship. Am I sacrificing it at all? Am I really eating the bread of life, the Word of God? Or am I a junk food junkie? High calorie things that's con not contrary to the word, but the helps. Am I listening to just Christian music? That's great. Am I reading Christian books? That's great. Am I watching Christian TV? That's great. Am I watching and listening to Christian radio? That's great. But friend, nothing can take the place of the word. Amen. We've got to have the word. And then am I being the light of the world? Am I truly being the salt of this earth? Maybe one of the reasons the church seems to have such a weak witness in the world today is because we're priests or not being true priests as God would have us to be. Maybe we're leaning on substitutes and God's cursed our blessings. Is there hope? Absolutely. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is there hope? Absolutely. Malachi but if you can endure the day of His coming, and who can stand when He appears, for He's like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. And He will sift as a smelter the purifier of silver, and He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they were sent to the Lord offerings in righteousness. God is looking for holy priests who will offer up spiritual sacrifices that will glorify His name for time and for eternity. Will you be one of them? Will I be one of them?
Will we be one of them? I don't know about you, church. This puts a note of terror in my heart.